church. Man, I am so glad that you're here this morning. What a wonderful time to be together as the family of God in this place, lifting his name on high for everything that he has done for us. Church, we are a blessed people, are we not? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and we want to live that out in our life as well. An exciting time to be here this morning. I know that uh, we've got some new faces in our audience. Thank you for joining us, being a part of our time together. We would hope if you're looking for a church home that today you might say, man, Cross Point seems like that place for me. We would love for you to be a part of our time here, uh, helping share that story, that message of hope that is Jesus Christ, using your giftedness in special and unique ways. Thanks for being here again this morning. And I want to mention, we do have three new faces in our audience this morning. Our interns are beginning today, and so we want to welcome them uh, to our our summer here at Cross Point. Let's make sure they feel welcome. And we'd love to jump in and help them with ministry, make sure that they, uh, they know that you're here and available. If you are, uh, feel that way, uh, certainly uh, jump in and let them know that you can be tapped to help in any way uh, that might be needed this summer. Uh, we also are next week beginning a brand new series on prayer. And so you'll want to be here next week as we launch that four-week series, discovering how we're called to pray, why we should pray, and the benefits of prayer. It's going to be a great time to be together. So make sure to come back next week uh, for that series. Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me. We'll be there in just a few moments. Our text will be on the screen uh, as well. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. As we finish up this series called, Can You Relate? And we've been talking about the relationships that we have in our everyday life and how they should play out in regards to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does it look like? What are our relationships look like as we try to honor God in every single one of those? And we, we started off talking about marriage and the reality that three people are actually involved in the marriage, which includes Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're called to honor respect and love one another in that marriage covenant. And the following week, we talked uh, about graduating and launching our graduates from high school into their next chapter of their life. Last week, we talked about parenting and how important it is to pour into our kids the message of Jesus Christ and to live that out in our own life as parents for them to witness as well. Well, today we're going to talk about singleness, and this isn't a subject that I hear talked about a whole lot uh, in the church context, but it's necessary. And Paul really addresses this in the seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians, and we'll unpack three truths that I think Paul really calls us to in the context of that, that moment. And singleness really, it's not just about being young and not have found Mr. or Mrs. right yet. That certainly is part of that idea of being single, but maybe you're currently dating uh, and you're not married, so you're in the single moment, although you have, uh, you've discovered someone that you might share life with and you're, you're dating in that process. Maybe you have made a decision that, no, I want to be single my whole life. I've got some things I want to do and that's the best way for me to accomplish those things. Maybe you find yourself there. Maybe you've gone through um, a a lot of uh, uh, tough moments where that ended in a divorce and you find yourself on the other side of a divorce single again. Uh, Maybe you're at that point in life where you've lost your life mate to death and so you're experiencing the single life again. A a lot of uh, the information that I've got, uh, at least 
coming up with today's message came out of this book you see on the screen. And so if you're single, it might be a good resource for you to grab and to read through. It's very encouraging. And I want to say this morning, Paul is going to give us some tremendous encouragement in our walk with Jesus Christ. And I want to say our, our married couples in the audience this morning, we're not off the hook just because we're talking about singleness this morning, because every single thing that he calls a single person to, we're also called to in Christ Jesus. And I think we're going to find that it's going to be beneficial in our discipleship as we try to live out our life that we've been called to live in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a ministry here at Crosspoint that maybe some of you are not aware of, don't know about. It's called CAB, and it stands for College Age and Barely Beyond. Uh, there is a volunteer couple here that's doing a great job heading that ministry up for us. But maybe you're, you're single here at Crosspoint and you're trying to figure out where would I fit in. That might be a good place for you to start. So let me encourage you to check out uh, that ministry by approaching one of the ministers here or uh, one of the shepherds and let them direct you to, to how to get involved in that ministry. I had Cindy kind of check out our own population. We're averaging about 650 on Sunday morning now, and about 12% of our population would call themselves single, and that's 18 years old and older are in that single category. And so I think the things that we're going to talk about today can directly impact not only our church population here, but folks that you may know in your own life that need to hear some of the encouragement that Paul is going to hand out in this particular text that we're going to take a look at. Because the truth is, church, sometimes in the church context, we don't intentionally do it, but we tend to ignore the single person. There's a lot of ministry that's developed and encouraged with couples and families, youth ministry, kids ministry, and sometimes a single person might feel left out of the loop. Well, I want you to know that uh, we, we are not about that at Crosspoint. We realize that every single person has been called to the table of God. Amen? Every single person, no matter your age, marital status, skin color, nation of origin, it doesn't matter. God loves you and he wants you to be a part of his kingdom work. And so we want you to know that Crosspoint feels that way too. And we want to join you in helping share that message of hope. Paul says, as he begins this letter to the Corinthian church, uh, something important in verse 32. He says, look, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man or woman can spend their time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, how to please God. Now, it's, it's interesting that Paul calls attention to this uh, for not only us in our culture, but think about the people that lived in these house churches in the Corinthian uh, culture, a very pagan culture, a very worldly aspect. We also find out in this particular chapter in verses 7 and 8 that Paul himself was single when he wrote this letter. Uh, most scholars believe because he was a Pharisee before he became a Christian that he was married. And we don't know what happened to his wife, whether uh, she got sick and passed or what the situation is. No one really knows. We do know that Paul specifically states here in this chapter that he is uh, single. And he's writing to this church in Corinth, the town of Corinth, which is a sex-saturated culture. And he understands the temptation the world can throw your way, especially when you find yourself living single. The world comes, comes at you from all different directions. And so Paul wants to give some encouragement as you move forward in the kingdom of God to be his person wherever you find yourself located. And so there are some things that I want to, us to realize that Paul calls us to. And again, not only single people. 
but married folks as well. We all can gain from this chapter as we understand how God's called us to live in his son, Jesus Christ. And the first idea that Paul really puts out there is pursue Jesus. We're called to pursue Jesus with every ounce of who we are. Paul begins in verse 32 with this idea. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Now that phrase he uses in in verse 35 there, not to place restrictions on you. In the original language in the Greek, it's really this idea, Paul says, I don't want to place a noose around your neck. I don't want to tie you up with some kind of restrictions. Understand what I'm calling you to in this chapter is a pursuit of Jesus. Whether you're married or you're single, understand both are okay in the kingdom of God. I want you to focus on Jesus. I want you to be undivided in your life and your attention to Jesus. But see, the real temptation, especially in our American culture, is to make the the marriage kind of the goal of life the focus of life, to finally find Mr. or Mrs. Wright and to have those 2.5 children and the dog. That's what life sometimes seems to be all about. But some feel that, that marriage is the thing that's going to make them complete. And we tend to live for that ideal rather than living for Jesus Christ and making him the absolute number one target in our life and in our relationships. Paul goes on to say in verse 36, but if a man thinks that he's treating his fiance improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. So the person who marries his fiance does well. And the person who doesn't marry does even better. Wow, did Paul just say that? If you get married, that's great. That's fine. But those that decide to stay single, if you can control yourself, that's an even better situation in the kingdom of God. And he comes out to say marriage is not everything in the kingdom of God. Nothing wrong with it, but you can stay focused if you are single. And why would Paul say that it's better to remain single? Now, I've done a lot of weddings in my career. You've been to a lot of weddings in your career. No doubt you've read scripture. And there are many times when, when the idea is, is said that when two come together, the joy is doubled or, or the sorrow is halved. King Solomon, in his wisdom, say, said, he who finds a, a wife finds a good thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says two are better than one. But what Paul is really saying in this chapter is that whether you find yourself single in life, whether you find yourself married in life, that God can and will use you 
You are part of the kingdom and you are welcome at the table. He's not saying that just because you get married that you can no longer serve or love the Lord fully as a married couple. He's just saying that there are going to be some competing loyalties throughout life that sometimes will distract you from the real story that you're supposed to be telling. And Paul says it's just easier to keep Jesus as the priority in your life if you never marry. And he calls us to if we're going to marry, marry someone who's equally yoked, someone who loves God, who desires to be a Jesus follower just as much as you do. His second letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians, in chapter 6 and verse 14, says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? And again, he's calling us as people of God, as disciples of God, to, to live with those who also desire a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. Tim Keller, who is a, an author, current author, and minister as well in New York, says it like this. If you marry someone who doesn't believe, increasingly you will hide your faith from your spouse since they don't agree with you. And the result is losing intimacy in that relationship. Or... Increasingly, you'll separate yourself from Christ so your marriage will be intimate. Tim reminds us exactly what Paul is saying. Be connected to someone who also loves Jesus Christ as much as you do because you want intimacy in that marriage or you're going to want intimacy with Jesus Christ and you're going to give one of those up if the other partner is not equally yoked with you. Church, let me just say it like this. Your wholeness in life it is not dependent on another person. There is no one on God's green earth that completes you. Only Jesus Christ can complete you. No one else is created for that. Don't hold them in that high regard. That's a, that's a big burden to carry. You know, Robin and I, in our life, we have uh, matured along the way, hopefully, and, but we've both said to one another in our Christian walk, listen, we're both committed to Jesus Christ. I'm committed. She's committed. But I want you to know that if you ever decide to walk away from Jesus Christ, he is the one that I love, and I will never leave him for you. When it comes to Jesus Christ, I will choose him every single time. See, we complement one another in marriage but we don't complete one another. There is a void in our hearts. I think a God-created void. And nothing and no one can fill that void except for his son, Jesus Christ. And Paul says, it's just easier to keep Jesus as the priority if you never marry. Paul calls all of us to pursue Jesus Christ. But he's also calling those that would be disciples of Jesus to strive for purity, to be the person we've called, been called to be in Jesus Christ. Just a chapter before chapter 7 and chapter 6, Paul reminds those followers of Christ, he says, run from sexual sin. Don't you know that you no longer belong to yourselves? You've been bought with a price. You belong to him. And so we don't make those decisions for ourselves anymore. We put our faith and our trust in the man who has the plan for us. And Paul says in verses 8 and 9, 
So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. Paul is reminding those followers of Christ and us today that we're called to a different level of commitment as we follow Christ. It's different than what the world offers us. And Paul says, look, it's better to marry if you can't control your passions. Only make sure it's the right person that you marry. Someone who's equally dedicated to Jesus Christ. Someone who equally loves the Lord. He says in verse 7, I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. It's interesting in this text, in this chapter, Paul says twice uh, that he is single. And in this verse, the next sentence says that singleness really is a gift from God. It's a, it's a piece of the giftedness of the Holy Spirit. Seems to be what Paul is saying there. Maybe you have discovered that you are single in a certain season of life. You've discovered that's where you're at. Or, or maybe, maybe it's a lifetime of singleness that you've committed to because that's your desire for life. But if singleness is a gift from God, then maybe it's time we alter our view of singleness and honor it as a gift from God, church. Each of us are to use our giftedness and the season of life that we find ourselves in to do kingdom work, to tell the story of Jesus Christ, to let other people know how important it is that they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And our culture pushes us all the time to be intimate and experiment outside the bounds of marriage. And we're called, though, as disciples to that commitment to keep ourselves pure in the process as we follow Jesus Christ. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 9, How does a person stay pure? By obeying the word of God. And so that's the challenge I would throw out to each and every one of us today, that we would stay plugged into the word of God, discovering how we're called to live. What type of life does a disciple really live out? How do we look like Jesus Christ in the process? But also make sure that we're surrounded by a group of witnesses, other disciples, who can help keep us on the path that we're supposed to be walking. We're called to pursue Jesus Christ. We're called to strive for sexual purity in our walk. And we're also called to pray for patience along the way. We're going to trust God's plan for us as we pray for patience on our current journey, realizing that we're called to do kingdom work all along the way. Paul in verse 26, he says, because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. Now, what is the present crisis? Some scholars believe that it's the idea of the perusia, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Paul is telling the church here in Corinth, Jesus' second coming is soon. And that's the crisis. We're under pressure to tell the story, to get more people connected to Jesus Christ. If you have a wife... Do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I am trying to spare you those problems. It's almost like Paul is speaking first, firsthand right here in this text. 
It's almost as if when he became a Christian, maybe his wife was still living. And in that moment, he realized the pressure that will come on that church and followers of Christ in this moment of the very early church becoming part of the world in which it lives. We're called to be patient and to pray for that patience as we live out life together. But Paul reminds us that marriage is a lifelong commitment. It's not just something you jump in and out of. It's a desire to, to that lifelong commitment. Uh, our youth group, when I was in youth ministry for some 20 years, I often talked to the guys and the girls about the dating process and, and how to stay pure and have a game plan and who's Mr. and Mrs. Wright look like for you. And I remember specifically talking to the girls about this. Their list was about this long of the right person. And, you know, the longer your list, the smaller the pool of eligibles. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the one guy in Hollywood. That's the guy they're looking for. And, well, probably not going to meet him. Uh, but as you get older, it's interesting. That list becomes shorter and shorter. Things that you're willing to let go of. And the shorter the list, the greater the pool of eligibles. And I always encouraged our young ladies. I said, keep your list. Don't give up. Pray for that. Pray that God would provide that person for you. Stick to your list. Don't settle for a relationship that makes you smile, but not dance. You want to be married to someone who is involved in the dance every single day with you. And if you're dating someone right now who doesn't see Jesus as central to your relationship, I would ask that you press stop or pause in that relationship right now. Following Jesus is crucial to the success of any relationship, especially in marriage and dating. Have high expectations for healthy moral values in the person that you are currently dating. Make sure they have Jesus-like character as you date in that process. Paul goes on to say in verse 39, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. And I think I'm giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this. We live in a culture that constantly is asking the question, what next? We have become so good at multitasking. We get done with one thing and we're already on to the next. And even in our dating relationships, in our marriages, the question is always out there from our culture, what next? But don't miss out on the current position that God's put you in, in your current journey. Wherever you are in your relationship, know that you're called to be on mission for Jesus Christ. You're called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here Paul clearly When he calls you to stay single, if you can, he's not condoning that you cut corners like today a lot of folks live together to save a dollar. That is not what a disciple of Jesus Christ really does. And Paul's letters in the New Testament consistently calls us to avoid sexual immorality. The body of biblical work overall teaches us that any kind of sexual activity outside the marriage covenant is a sin. Cohabitation or or living together becomes easier when our culture places high premiums on what we want 
rather than the life God has called us to. I want to share a couple of stats with you concerning cohabitation or living together. You can find these on any website, any uh, uh, website that's concerned with mental health, relationship health. But in 1970, half a million couples were living together. Today, nine million couples live together, not being married. The fastest growing group of people that that's affecting, that's participating, are those who are 50 years old and older. Church, I want to challenge us this morning that we as the older generation have to set the bar. We have to set the example for those coming behind us. It's so incredibly important that those coming up behind us see what a godly life looks like, what a godly marriage looks like, what godly living looks like. We live in a current generation that that is unbridled sexual temptation. It's right there in your hand with your iPhone. It's right there at the click of a mouse on your laptop. The Journal of Marriage and Family research showed that up to 80% of couples who live together before marriage are likely to experience divorce. And the National Center for Health, Mental Health says people involved in that kind of relationship are four times as likely to experience depression in their life and four times as likely to suffer abuse from the partner. Our culture is slowly growing devoid of commitment. But church, that's what a disciple of Christ is all about, right? It's about being committed to the way we've been called to live in such a way that God's glorified in our life. And so the call this morning is that you and I would make a commitment, that we would recommit ourselves to being people who look like Jesus Christ, that we would be an example for those around us who are longing to lean into that story of hope that is Jesus Christ. Whether we are single or married in this room, church, we are called to pursue Jesus Christ. We're called to keep ourselves pure. We're called to be in prayer about the relationships that we have in life. And so whether you are single or married in this room, that is the challenge this morning, that you and I would take up the the baton to be committed fully to Jesus Christ that you and I would make a decision to live for him each and every day in everything we say and we do. So this morning, as we sing this next song, our shepherds will be gathered along the wall of this room. And as we sing, I want to encourage you, maybe there's something going on in your life that you need prayer for. Maybe you need wisdom, discernment. And so I want to ask you to go find one of those couples, let them pray over you and for you about your family, about your marriage, about your dating situation, whatever might be going on. Church, don't leave this room without receiving prayer for wisdom and guidance in your own life, in your relationships. But maybe this morning you've never put Jesus on in baptism. And so today's the day for you. You're thinking, you know, I want to be blessed with the Holy Spirit. I want that wisdom and discernment within me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And if you have not been baptized into Jesus Christ, let's do that today before you leave this building. So incredibly important that you have Jesus Christ in your life to guide and direct you along the way. I hope the Holy Spirit blesses you and helps you think through the relationships you have in order to give God all the glory in your life. Now let's stand together and give him all the praise that's due his name.